You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. what David gave him, even though he only gave it to God in his sincere intention. There are some things we want to give God, but, but are prevented from giving. In these cases, God receives the intention as the gift. That's why I just said you can never step out in faith and fail. Why? God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And you step out in faith, And if things fall apart in man's eyes, God knows your heart. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that it's not possible for you to step out in faith and fail. When you feel the prompting of the Lord and obey, God sees your heart. He sees your desire to serve Him and do what is asked of you, even though you may not really want to do it. God loves a willing heart. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. As he begins his message, David responds to God. Second Samuel 7, and I've entitled this David's response to God. David's response to God in 2 Samuel 7. So if you turn to your Bibles to those verses, 2 Samuel 7, we'll begin looking at specifically verses 18 through 29 as we finish this glorious chapter. So you remember last week we were here, we studied the first 17 verses in 2 Samuel. And we saw David dwelling in a house, a beautiful palace that was made for him out of beautiful cedar wood. And the Lord had given him rest over all his enemies. In fact, that's what it says in verse 1. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around. So David is kind of lounging. He's kind of taking the night off, and he's sitting there, and he happens to be sitting there quietly with his chaplain. And his chaplain happens to be none other than the prophet Nathan. And they're having this conversation. And David has this wonderful and glorious idea. It's almost like a dream for David, a want in his heart. He wants to build God a house. After all, He has this beautiful palace, this palatial building made out of the best cedar in Lebanon. Tall, mighty cedars made his house. But God lived in a tent. And it didn't seem quite right to David. So David felt the desire of his heart was to build God a house. I mean, here the Lord, the creator of the universe, was living in a tent. Something was wrong with this picture in David's mind. Nathan encourages David to pursue it and see if the Lord would be involved in it. And it's sort of like Jonathan and his armor bearer. When Jonathan wanted to go up to the the Philistine garrison, he said to to the armor bearer, I think the Lord wants to do something today. Come on, let's go up. And the armor bearer said, do this all that's in your heart. And they stepped out in faith and they said, if the Lord's in it, this will happen. If the Lord's not in it, well, this will happen and we'll retreat. 
Well, you know the story. We studied it in 1 Samuel 14, a glorious time of faith. So David told Nathan basically says, do all that's in your heart. So he's saying, in all reality, he's saying, get with the Lord and start moving forward. And if it's the Lord, it'll take place. If it's not the Lord, well, it won't happen and you'll we'll know. We do ministry around here a lot like that. Someone comes to me with an idea and they go, pardon me. And they say, I think the Lord's telling us we should do this. Well, first of all, when they say the Lord's telling us to do this, they're usually saying, I think the Lord's telling you to do that, pointing at me. And what I usually say is, isn't that a great ministry for you? And I will back you 100%. I will help you in any way you want to help. And so we take a step in faith and see what the Lord would do. That's how freedom to Christ started. Freedom through Christ started when Mark and Rini came to me and said, we have this idea. We, we've come from the addiction ministries in Philly, and we, we want to have an addiction ministry here because of the problem in Cape May County. And I said, well, let's step out in faith and see what the Lord wants to do. Well, that was almost three years ago. So the Lord is doing a mighty work there. So that's what we do. That's called ventures in faith. That's called ventures in faith, taking a step in faith. Okay. Now, my question always is, can you step out in faith and fail? Well, maybe in man's eyes. But if you step out in faith, David stepped out in faith and said, Lord, I want to build you a house. I want to build you a house. I want to see if it's your will. It wasn't. It wasn't God's will for David to build the house. That night, Nathan receives a word from the Lord, says, no, David will not build me a house. David will not build me a house. But within God's no, the big part of our study, God reminded David of the many, many blessings that he bestowed upon him, not only when he was a king, but long before he was a king. Remember the things he said to him. I took you from the sheepfold. I took you out from, you know, picking up sheep dew. And I made you a ruler over all my people. I've been with you wherever you go. I've cut off all your enemies, and I've made your name great among all the nations. And truly, David's name was great among all the nations. You can find that in verses um, 9 and 10 in chapter 7. So God's telling David, I did all these things for you. And then God did something to David. He said, I will do something else for you, something that's going to absolutely blow your mind. David, I'm going to do something so extravagant for you, so wonderful for you, that you have no idea that it's coming towards you. And we said, this is called the Davidic covenant. It's called the Davidic covenant, where God makes this covenant with David. And first of all, he says, I'm going to appoint a place for my people Israel. In other words, there will be a land for my people Israel forever. God promised David that under your reign, I'm going to establish a permanent and secure place for Israel. God promises because he knew David was a good shepherd. David cared for the flock. This is why God chose him. David cared greatly for the flock. So God made this happen. Then he promises that David, I'm going to build you a house. Now, if you listen to this, you go, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor Dave, didn't you just say David lived in a house? Well, God wasn't talking about a structure. God wasn't talking about a structure. He was talking about several things. Number one, he was talking about a dynasty. He was talking about a dynasty. There will be, of your seed, many will come and rule Israel. And this happened for centuries. Many came and ruled Israel. You can read all about it in the coming chronicles and kings. You can read all about all the men who ruled Israel. So yes, someone from your house will be on the throne. It's an enduring legacy that will go far after your death. 
far after your death. But he was talking about something extremely more important than that. And David realized this, and David recognized it. God was saying that through your seed, the Messiah will come. The Messiah will come through your seed, and he will sit on God's throne forever and ever. All David wanted to do was build God a temple. God said to David, thank David, but no, you can't do it. Let me build you a house. This was a greater promise than David's offer to God because David's house or dynasty would last longer and be more glorious than the temple that was built. In fact, the temple's going to be destroyed. The temple's still destroyed. The third temple hasn't been built yet. But there are plans for it. And a lot of things going on around there. Listen to this, what one commentator said. I studied, quote, God honored what David gave him even though he only gave it to God in his sincere intention. There are some things we want to give God, but, but are prevented from giving. In these cases, God receives the intention as the gift. That's why I just said you can never step out in faith and fail. Why? God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And if you step out in faith, and if things fall apart in man's eyes, God knows your heart. So you can't. If you step out in true faith, you can't fail. It's interesting that we find out in 1 Chronicles 22, verses 8 through 10, that God said no to David because he was a man of war, because he had blood on his hands. That was the reason God said no. But David doesn't know that at this time. In fact, he doesn't know this until we get to Chronicle, 1 Chronicles 22, and that's a long time later. David knows that. We can surmise that it was many, many years of David's life that he didn't know the exact reason that God had said no. And this is an important point that I want to get to. Why didn't God want him to build a temple? David doesn't realize this. David doesn't realize this. I said, so we're going to get to this in a minute. As we looked at verses 12 through 17, God then explains his promise to David. He explains his whole promise. He says, I'm going to set up your seed after you. And this God specifically promised to David a hereditary monarchy for the house. And it's important for God to repeat this promise specifically because there had never been a king who succeeded one another on the throne. Saul was the first king and everybody save one was dead from Saul's family. Remember, God took the kingdom from Saul and he told them there be a dynasty. There won't be any type of monarch dynasty, Saul. David said, he shall build a house in my name. Though David did not build the house, his son Solomon did. And David would get to collect all the materials for the house. David would get to be the collector of the materials. I will establish his throne forever. The family of David ruled over Israel for many, many centuries. But unfortunately, evil upon evil had them removed until a stem of the root of Jesse, way down the line, God raised up someone who would reign forever and ever, Jesus Christ the righteous. You look at the genealogies and you'll follow them through. They all come through David. They all come through David. I will be his father. He will be my son if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him. This descendant of David will enjoy a special relationship with God. It's God's son. Of course it's a special relationship. If he sins, God will not reject him. Now, what does it, why, does it, why did I say that? When all the sin of the world came upon Jesus, God didn't reject him. God turned away and couldn't look, but he didn't reject him. He didn't reject him. Instead, he allowed Jesus to be chastened. 
He allowed Jesus to go through that pain. David's throne will last forever. The dynasty will last forever. And although these great promises are partially fulfilled through Solomon, like we said last week, which is David's son, who was the successor through the, flow, through the throne, they were completely filled through Jesus Christ. Completely filled through Jesus Christ. As I said, look to the genealogy in Matthew and look to the genealogy in Luke. They all come through David down to Jesus Christ. Look at them. Jesus does reign and will reign on David's throne forever. The Father's mercies never departed Jesus, even when he was made sin for us. Jesus is the building the Father, a magnificent house. We are that house that God is building. We are the church that God is building. We are God's temple. David understood this. He knew what it meant. He knew what it meant. And as we come to tonight's verses, David responds to God's no, and he also responds to God's many blessings. And David's response is interesting to me. And the first thing we see is David sitting before the Lord. Look at 18a. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. David goes in and sits before the Lord. He didn't run away and pout. He didn't go out back and eat worms and kick dirt around. I wanted to. What's wrong? He didn't run away from God. He didn't get angry at God. He didn't hold his breath and stomp his feet until he got his own way. Instead, he goes in and sits before the Lord. And I love this about David. I absolutely love this part about David. He goes in and sits before the Lord. Sometimes when we hear no from God, we begin to get angry. How could God say no? How, this is a perfect plan. How could God possibly say no? This is a great plan. We kick dirt, we pout. Or as Mark likes to say, we squall and bawl. And sometimes we hear the word no, and we never listen to what comes after it. Because once we hear the word no, we shut it completely off. We shut it completely down because you said no. God, you said no, so I can't receive anything for you. If David had gone off sulking or gone off pouting or gone off squalling and bawling, he would have never heard God's blessings that followed. He would have never heard them and received them. But instead of doing these things, David hears God's word through Nathan the prophet and he goes in and he sits before the Lord. I love that. I love that. It's almost like David said, we need to talk. God, we need to talk. We need to talk. Sitting before God, David exposes his heart, which I might say God already knew. David exposes his heart. Look at 18, excuse me, 8b. Uh, excuse me, 18b. And he said, and David said to God, who am I, Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? Wow. Who am I? David, David didn't jump up and go, yeah, God, I deserve those promises. Oh, yeah, I deserve those promises because you know what? I'm great, and my name is great in all the world. You're right, Lord. I deserve those promises. No. Who am I? Beautiful song by Casting Crowns. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name? 
care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering heart? Who am I that the eyes that see my sin would look on me in love and watch me rise again? Who am I that the voice that calmed the sea would call out to the rain and calm the storm in me? I love that. Who am I? Did you ever feel that way? Did you ever feel that way when you examine the blessings of what God has done for you? Just the blessings alone from the cross, the forgiveness of sin, taken out of the bondage and deprivation of sin, being set free from sin. And then you have eternal life. Have you ever sat before the Lord and go, what did I do to deserve this? I did everything I could against you. I did everything I could to, 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 to come against you, Lord, but yet you still did this. Why, I was a sinner. Jesus died on the cross. Did you ever really sit before God and allow that to penetrate your heart? Because if you did, I can guarantee the words out of your mouth are, who am I? Who am I that you would do this? We need to have an experience like that with God. We need to have an experience like that. I had an experience like that with God one time. The one time I can remember. I've had several experiences, but the one time I can remember... I came down here in February 2010 to be pastor of this church. And in June of 2010, I was invited, since I was a senior pastor, to go to California to Marietta Springs Bible College to the Senior Pastor Conference for Calvary Chapel. A lot of people there. Pastor Chuck was still alive. He was teaching. There was a lot of things happening. And as I was there... My pastor and I had a pact that he would do his thing and I would do mine thing, but we would meet at this fountain right outside the meeting area. This is a beautiful fountain. It's Southern California, folks. What could go wrong, right? It's beautiful. I mean, my gosh. So one time, after the first meeting, I went out and I was standing at the fountain, just kind of standing there, and I was just contemplating, and my knees buckled. My knees buckled, and I, I went, and I started to cry. Because God had given me the desires of my heart. God had given me the desires of my heart. I was a pastor that he had promised 17 years before that he would make me a pastor. And it came to realization that he had done that for me. My knees actually buckled. And I started to cry and I went, wow. It was a David moment. It was a David moment like, wow. You did what? For me? I think we need David moments. I think we all need to have a David moment in our life when we just realize, because if the cross doesn't sink in, if the cross doesn't really sink in to you and mean what it really and truly means, then we're taking God for granted. We're taking him for granted. We're, 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 we're discounting what happened on that cross. And we don't really understand it. And maybe it's difficult to understand. Maybe it's difficult to know, and, and it can be. But, but when we really realize that, when we really let that sink into our heart and that we let that overcome us, David wrote, what is man that you're mindful of him? Why would you even take time for us, God? You're the creator of the universe, but you have time for me? David was overwhelmed by God's promises, overwhelmed by God's love. And even though God said, no, David, you can't build the temple, 
he throws out all these reminders of what he did for David, what he accomplished for David. David, I took you out of the sheepfold, man. I got you from guarding those sheep, and you did such a great job guarding those sheep that I knew you would be a great shepherd for my people. I took you out of the sheepfold, and I was with you every step of the way. I never let Saul get near you. I never let any of your enemies get near you. I was there all the time, and I blessed you. We know that God overwhelmed him with the Spirit, because we studied that in 1 Samuel. God overwhelmed him with the Spirit, and God did so many things for David. David was like, wow, what? And when that realization sunk into David's heart, it's like, who am I? Wow. Like I said, at this time, David doesn't even know why God said no, but I can guarantee in David's heart he didn't care at this time. It wasn't important. God's blessings were so more important, so more important than his no. What he has done is nothing less than praiseworthy. Remember Jesus and his disciples? Sends the disciples two by two, sends them out two by two. And they're supposed to go and, and he sends them out and says, don't take anything with you, don't take any bag. And you know all the instructions that he gives the disciples. And all of a sudden they come back and it's like they're sitting there and going, yeah, we're bad, we had a great time. They're high-fiving, yeah, man, we cast out demons. We did this, we did that. And Jesus says, whoa. Rejoice because you cast out demons in my name. Don't rejoice because you made someone sick or someone well. Don't rejoice in those things. What did he say? Rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. Now that's where our rejoicing really comes from. That's where our rejoicing really comes from. And where did that come from? A cross. It came from a cross. When we truly realize what the Lord has done for us, all the blessings. Remember I said last week that I did a study on the blessings of God and there were 75 of them, not including salvation and eternal life, all through scripture, 75 major blessings that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. We sit down and look at those things. When we see all what has bestowed upon us, what can we say? Many of us focus on what we don't have. Many of us spend so much time focusing on what we don't have instead of focusing on that which was accomplished on the cross and what we actually have in Jesus Christ. Take a minute or so and read Ephesians 1, 2, 3. That's a great start. Because in Ephesians 1, 2, 3, we have all these things in Christ Jesus that Paul reminds the Ephesian church. David could have stomped his feet. He could have held his breath. He could have made a scene. But he accepted God's word. In David's eyes, this did not make David greater. It made God greater. It made God greater. We should receive salvation and every blessing with the same attitude. God's giving reflects his greatness, not ours. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve anything. I deserve hell. I deserve to be burnt. I deserve to be a crispy critter. There's no way I deserve any of this. But God is a wonderful giver.
The book of 2 Samuel continues the story of King David as he's finally able to ascend the throne. Though he seemed to have achieved God's calling on his life, David's journey wasn't free of problems. David was still human, and he made mistakes that affected him and those he loved. But during the rest of his life, no matter where it took him, David remained a man after God's own heart. When confronted with his sin, David consistently turned back to his heavenly father, confessing and asking for forgiveness. David knew he wasn't perfect and that he needed the mercy only God could provide. Today, we hope you too remember that God's mercy is worth seeking. He's provided for you the grace you need to live free from your sin through the blood of Jesus. Jesus came to die on the cross in your place, taking the punishment your sins deserved. Would you like to know more about having your sins forgiven? Please visit our website then, assurehoperadio.com. Click on How to Be Saved to learn all about what Jesus has done for you and why you need His grace in your life. If you still have questions or would like us to pray with you, please don't hesitate to call us, 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We're so glad you tuned in today. You can hear more messages like this from Pastor Dave at our website as well. Just click on podcasts slash radio when you visit assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope.